The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello and a Happy New Year from all of us at Media Talk. My name is John Plunkett and in this special, yes that's right, another special, we'll be gazing into our crystal ball and finding out what's in store for us in 2014. We'll hear from Media Talk regulars about their predictions for the press, TV, radio and all things digital. Plus, we'll grill our pundits on what they got right from this time last year. Expect some smug, I told you so's and some uncomfortable apologies. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And I'm joined for the first part of the show by two top radio bods and media talk regulars who are Paul Robinson and Matt Deegan. Welcome both. Hello. Hi. Now, Matt, you didn't do this last year, so you haven't got any predictions to look back on. But, Paul, you did. I know, and I'm very concerned because I have no idea what I said last year. (laughs) Well, here we go. Number one, Absolute Radio will be bought by Global or UTV. So you were kind of half a point because it was bought. Well, they were up for sale and they were (laughs) courting everybody, but, of course, wrong buyer. It was Bauer. It was Bauer. Okay, next up. So that was either sort of nearly right or totally wrong. It depends, <laughs> depends how you look at it, right? They were sold. They yeah. were sold. They were, right. I nearly right. A nearly right. A nearly right. They were Matt Digger, a kinder man than I. Right, number two. Smooth or gold branding will disappear from the airwaves. Well, as yet, that has not happened. What has happened, of course, is all the gold DJs are now appearing on Smooth Radio. We may discuss that later, possibly. I still think that is likely to happen at some point. There's still some more days left on the clock. There are indeed. What's interesting about Smooth, of course, is Smooth is becoming magic now. Okay, next up, number three. Nick Grimshaw, uh, Radio 1 Breakfast DJ, will end the year with more young listeners than Chris Moyles had at the end of his tenure. Now, so some research is required here, but I'd imagine probably... Does he have more young listeners? I he's imagine? got a higher percentage, but he's got fewer actual young listeners. So the profile's better, but the absolute number is less. Agreed? Another, yes, agreed. Yes. So, half point? Another half point? I think it's half point, yeah. I think you have to say that actually Ben Cooper has done his job. Okay, all right. And, and uh, prediction number four was that Five Live will have new presenters at Breakfast and Drive by the end of the year. Well, we know Peter Allen's retiring, so that's definitely happening, although he's not retired yet, but no sign of Nicky Campbell going, so I guess half a point there as well. And you've got Adrian Charles, of course, is uh, presenting the drive on Fridays. On Fridays, yes, yes. So I think that's probably, give you a bit more, 0.6 of a point. <laughs> 0.6, I'm doing really well on that one then. Yeah, well, I think not bad at all. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, Matt? I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. Thank you, Matt. You're very kind. I appreciate it. You can come again. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, he will come again right now, Matt. So your predictions, please, for 2014. And as you do these, you know, picture ahead 12 months, wherever we are, whoever sat and in this I'll be chair. I'll on the other side of the chair yes. doing what you've just done to me. So, um, I think that global will have to sell their radio stations. This is part of the, the competition commission. They'll sell their radio stations for a relatively low amount. However, by the end of the year, it will leave them stronger as a syndicator. So in effect, because they're going to sell these stations, they have to slightly reorganise their business to distribute smooth and capital and heart to other radio groups or other companies. And actually, I think that transition is going to make them into an even stronger business. Okay. So All right. One. What do you make of that one, Paul, just while you... Uh... Well, I think Matt is right. I think clearly now the Competition Commission will be very clear they have to sell. And I agree. I think they're going to sell to a third party, probably to a non-UK broadcaster. Those brands will continue, but not under global ownership. Uh, Number two, Matt. I think we'll see uh, a second National Multiplexes Digital Radio advertised and awarded next year. So it's good news for digital, but also good news for listeners already. Digital One's full. There are lots of radio stations that would like to broadcast nationally, but there isn't the spectrum. I think both the government and the regulator is going to get on that quickly. 
to advertise and award uh, a new digital radio licence. Yeah, I think that's right. What's going to be challenging, of course, is whether those companies can make it pay. We've just seen Jazz FM coming off DAB on uh, Digital One and accepting they're not going to have a national digital DAB footprint. So whether they can make money and whether they can sustain those services, I think, is another question. A lot more supply will tend to, I think, make it harder for them to sustain themselves via advertising. And finally, I think uh, Radio One's going to have a troublesome year next year. I think that this year has been very strong for them, reorganisation of the schedule. I think Nick Grimshaw's the right person to be doing that show. I'm not sure the show's doing the job it needs to at the moment. And I think we'll probably see a continuing decline in that programme. And that's going to cause some changes. Whether they fix the show or not, I think there'll be some knock-on effects to the rest of the station. So I think it could be a bumpy year for Radio One. What do you mean? What kind of knock-on effects, Matt, would you think? Underperforming breakfast show can really affect the rest of a radio station. If people aren't listening at breakfast, they're not necessarily listening at the rest of the day. If they have a few options with the show, they kind of keep it as it is and just hope that some work on that will make it better. They'll replace it with something else, which I think I'd be surprised if they did, but is an option. Uh, Or number three, whether they add to it, whether they kind of reinvigorate it and do something different. Any of those options, I think that's going to mean quite a bit of turmoil for Radio 1. I disagree. I think Nick Grimshaw is going to be there for the whole of 2014. Uh, he will get moved in 2015, but in 2014, the daytime lineup on Radio 1 will not change. You're already bagging the predictions for 2015, Paul. <laughs> I am indeed. I'm well. looking ahead. You know, long term forecasting. See, John Burt told me, do 10 years ahead. <laughs> Seriously, he did. And then told me it would never be right. And he was right about that. Fantastic. Well, Paul and uh, Matt, thank you very much. My name is Maggie Brown and I'm here to reflect on my predictions for 2013. Well, I said that Lord Patton would still be in his job as chairman of the BBC and that has proven to be the case. I would suspect he might still be there at the end of 2014 because it's a poison chalice and the government, despite inaccurate reporting, is actually hoping that uh, the BBC's governance will be sorted out or at least improved somewhat or at least it won't embarrass them anymore before the general election and before the renewal of the Charter. I don't think we could have seen the scale of uh, BT Sports investment which has been absolutely mind-boggling and extraordinary. The story has only really just begun. Uh, We have now two great big gorillas uh, wrestling with each other over the future of pay television in the sports arena and maybe in other areas too. I don't know how it's going to end. Sky is a very, very tough customer and we're seeing all sorts of innovations uh, from it and, if you like, a selective lowering of its paywall. So I think more of the same in the year ahead. I, I, I don't think I want to make a prediction for 2014 because everything seems up in the air, literally. And finally, I think that we're seeing a change in programme tastes. It's interesting to me that Whitechapel was uh, cancelled by ITV and the new Scandinavian drama is called Legacy, which is really a kind of foresight saga of families and the relationships between siblings and the ongoing consequences of being brought up in a particular milieu, in this case, the free fall 1960s. So I think instead of the, the kind of the, the intense and vicious murders that we've seen being investigated, there's a, a switch to something which is a more human relations related. And I think that this is going to happen here. I also really know that we are entering or continuing to enjoy a golden age of documentaries. Uh, There's a a move on now to give tax relief to high-end documentaries 
to some extent mirroring what's been going on uh, since April for high-end drama. And we've seen Sky Atlantic launching uh, an annual a series of 10 documentaries made to film standards. So I think we're going to see a lot more of this and um, I welcome it. Hello, it's Vicky Frost here. I'm sort of busting into the podcast on a surprise return visit. I used to be the Guardian's TV editor and at the moment I am in Australia where I am Guardian Australia's culture and features editor. So my TV highlights of the year, I should start this by saying Breaking Bad is not in them because I have been having a busy year and I have saved it up to watch in one lovely marathon. So that's not in there. What is in there? Borgen. The final series is in there. I think it's been very patchy, actually, this final series, and there are lots of things that I've found slightly frustrating about it, and it's taken a while to find its stride. And, and I think it's fair to say this final series hasn't been quite the standard of the first, but there have been really lovely moments in there. And also, I do think there's like a kind of joy in watching a trilogy end, particularly one like this, where there's been an awful lot of mirroring of earlier episodes in the final season. And that has a certain joy. And of course, sort of following Begita, just, you know, she's such a gorgeous character and you kind of want to see her through to the end. So not the strongest season of Borgen, I am very ready to admit, but does have a charm of its own, perhaps because it is that final instalment. What else have I been watching? I've been watching The Newsroom, actually, which I didn't love the first series of The Newsroom. But actually, the second series, I kind of did love, actually. It seemed to find its stride a little bit more. I thought the overall series art was a bit better, a bit stronger. The characters seemed more likeable somehow. And I really quite fell for it. And who doesn't love a bit of Sorkin? Well, I obviously love a bit of Sorkin, as we've just proved. And then the other thing is Bake Off, which um, actually there is an Australian Bake Off, but it's not very good. So I've been watching British Bake Off. I'm worried about Bake Off going to BBC One, I must admit. I wonder whether this is kind of the year of peak Bake Off and it is never going to quite recover. It felt like it slightly became a bit nastier than it has been. I mean, Bake Off's joy has always been its warmth, but that might just be my take from a long way away and um, it's quite different I think watching this programme from outside the country That was Vicky Frost all the way from Australia no expense spared and I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Vicky's successor in the Guardian TV and radio hot seat straight from a 2014 TV lair it's Rebecca Nicholson Hello uh, Rebecca, now, given the fact this is recorded around the same time as Jules Holland's Hootenanny, <laughs> how was your New Year's Eve? It was brilliant. I stayed in and <laughs> watched the Hootenanny. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I can't beat it. I love it, when, I love it when the big hand goes around to the top. Oh, I love it. I love Good it when times. it strikes midnight. OK, now you are here to do some very important business. Yes. We want to hear your predictions for the uh, TV year 2014. Yeah. Uh, what new t- No pressure. What new TV shows are we going to be talking about? No pressure at all. Well, no. let me go into my redecorated for 2014 TV lair. Very nice. And see what I can pull out. Minimalist. I feel like now I have to do something that suggests that I am enacting this thing. You are unveiling something metaphorically enormous in front of me. Yes. (laughs) It's a big TV. It's a big TV. Just to (laughs) reassure people. It's Netflix. (laughs) Yes. I'm looking forward to Danny Boyle getting back to telly. Ooh. Yeah. He's doing Babylon. Not only is it directed by Danny Boyle doing telly, which just sounds great to me, but... It is written by Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain. 
can't what a collision of talents. Can't go wrong. I mean, it might go wrong. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really hoping that it doesn't go wrong. It's Peep Show meets the Olympics. But it's a cop show. With a difference. With a difference. <laughs> it's I know sing- very little about it, other than that it sounds awesome. Right, you're predicting a hit. Seeing as these are your predictions, hit. I'm insisting on a, on a so- solid gold prediction with each one. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And more Hollywood talent. This is the thing that I think has started this year in earnest, is Hollywood going to television with directors and actors. But I think next year that's going to continue. We'll have lots of big names. Prediction number two. On the small screen. Uh, so you've got Maggie Gyllenhaal doing a BBC Two spy drama. Spying was big, wasn't it, last year? I wonder what it could be next. Uh, I think next year it's going to be the uh, third series of The Voice, but uh, that's off topic. <laughs> <laughs> With Carly Minogue. Yeah, and the one from the Kaiser Chiefs. I, I'd like fewer deaths actually on TV in 20, 2014. I like the fall and all that stuff, but you know. It was a bit grim, wasn't yeah. it? And Christmas TV has been so grim as well that I'm ready for some, some more slightly upbeat stuff. So there you go, there's another prediction. Pulled from the TV there. But having said there'll be fewer deaths, so there will be a second series of The Fall. So, yeah, Well, obviously, yeah. What with that ending yeah. being set up for... But I don't know where they're going to take it because it seemed to me... I didn't mind the ending that much because it seemed to me that they just weren't showing the fact that he was going to get caught. Everyone knew who he was. You know, he wasn't going to escape for long. Surely they can't extend those two characters. I imagine Gillian Anderson will be in it again. Jamie Dornan's busy, isn't he, now, being Fifty Shades of Grey? It would um, be disappointing if the second series was like a sort of madcap chase around the Scottish Highlands. Like Homeland, sort of cat and mouse yeah. thing, just dragging on for series and series. Yeah. Uh, that is my most eagerly anticipated show of 2014. Homeland? Yeah. No, no, The Fall. <laughs> the Fall. Right, your next prediction, please. My next prediction, Netflix will continue to rise and rise because not only are their new series of Orange is the New Black, which I'm very excited about, um, House of Cards is back in February. Similarly, very exciting. And Better Call Saul in the UK. Netflix is going to show it. Yeah, like the Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad spin-off. spin-off. In stereo. In stereo. And also talking again about Hollywood going to the small screen, although this is sort of Hollywood going to the digital screen, uh, the Wachowskis have created a series for Netflix called Sense8, which, um, again, is promising. Well, let's hope the TV series is more like the first Matrix and not so much like the third one. Quite. Or the second one. Or the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, uh, but that's enough about new shows and films, frankly. Uh, give us some shows that are returning. Oh, I mentioned The Voice Series 3. Yeah, The Voice Series 3. Personally, I'm very excited about Take Me Out coming back because I was expecting one in December and it hasn't materialised. There's a phrase you don't often hear. So, <laughs> this must be a different show than the ITV dating show fronted I by genu- Paddy McGuinness. No, that's the one. I genuinely love it. Highlight of my winter viewing period. It's so much fun. And I like it when you get to the stage where you really know the girls and you really sort of root for them. <laughs> Do you remember Man O' oh Man with Chris Tarrant? Vaguely, vaguely. I wasn't like it that. Shane Ritchie? Was it Chris Tarrant? Chris Tarrant originally. Was it? I think Ritchie took over and then it wasn't so good. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was... can't believe you're comparing Take Me Out to Man O' oh Man. Take Me Out's got heart. Okay, all right, I'll take your word for that. I think I can see the cracks developing in your TV lair. <laughs> the space-time continuum is. <laughs> Suddenly it's like that episode of Doctor Who, but in your lair, it's all falling apart. <laughs> but it's not just Take Me Out that's back, although that is obviously at the top of my list. It's just all of the big dramas back next year. So Mad Men, back. Last ever series. Last ever series. Although, actually, it's the first half of the last ever series. They're putting the second half on uh, in 2015, Breaking Bad style. They're making us really wait for it. So it's going to be split into two. Game of Thrones, of course. Back. The Returned, back. 
The Returned, The Guardian's number one TV show of 2013. Yeah, much controversy there. Beat mm. Breaking Bad into second place. Yeah, it was very close. Lots of people saying it was great for three quarters and then fell off a cliff or a dam. Well, I'm in slight agreement. I thought the ending was a bit weak, but um, it was just so unique and you really had to concentrate, which I always appreciate because it's increasingly hard to do that with telly. I had up my planner for months. Yeah. Then I deleted it. Now Did I'm thinking you? I should have kept it. That's very good. Oh, the, well, the, I tell you what is back. What is back? Well, definitely is back because you signed a £150 million deal, so it better be back, is The X Factor. Of course, yeah. Another three series I think we're in for. I'm again, this isn't my, this is beyond my pay grade, but I, my prediction is that Simon Cowell will be back as a judge on the UK X Factor. I was so disappointed. Well, I, I say disappointed. It wasn't even disappointment. I just didn't care this time around. I found it a real struggle to get involved. And I even tried to sit through the finals because I think with X Factor, even if you watch, if you don't watch the whole series, you can always get on board with the auditions, boot camp, skip a lot of the live performances. No one's really bothered about those. And then watch the final week. But even the finals, I just found myself flicking to see what else was on, which is unusual for me when it comes to X Factor. So it was a real disappointment. So yeah, Cowell. Back. And just finally, one more prediction. Could be a hit, could be a miss, could be a, I don't know, a personal favourite, could be a, the jump, celebrity skiing on Channel 4, whatever you like. I think that Scandinavia's over. What? Controversially. I think that Scandi shows are on the decline. Although, having said that, The Bridge is back in January, and I love The Bridge. The Bridge is my favourite out of all of them. Absolutely love it. So I'm very excited about that, but maybe it'll be a last gasp sort of thing. So it's like a sort of non-prediction prediction. Yeah, it's just a way of saying I'm really excited about the bridge. (laughs) Do you know what happens in the bridge? Do you know why it involves the bridge this time? No. Uh, Apparently a a boat hits it with some mysterious cargo. Oh, wait, so they are still still making the bridge. bridge. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I went over that bridge um, on a train, not deliberately, but got very excited. Took the worst holiday photos that have ever been taken of a sort of blurry, rainy, moving bridge. Whilst on the bridge, so it's sort of like a barrier, really. A blurred barrier. Oh, very good. Maybe that will be the third series. <laughs> Mysterious crappy pictures found on <laughs> English passengers' telephone. Hey, Rebecca Nicholson. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks. I'm Roy Greenslade. I'm Professor of Journalism at City University London, and I commentate on the press for the London Evening Standard and The Guardian. Well, I suppose my predictions were so obvious that they were bound to be right. Revenue would fall, as has been the case. Sales would fall in print, as has been the case. They'd grow online, and that's true. But I did say, most importantly, when it came to press regulation, uh, that the publishers would withstand any attempt to have a state-imposed system. And they've done just that. Indeed, they've really gone further in a way. They have stuck two fingers up to the government by saying, look, we're setting up our own regulator. We don't care for your royal charter. And now we're going to have uh, a situation in the coming year in which there'll be the existence of a royal charter, which is going to be ignored by everyone, in my view. Not even a small publisher will go into it. And uh, you'll have uh, a worse situation because I think the control exercised by publishers over the regulator they're setting up called the Independent Press Standards Organisation is actually greater, in a sense, uh, than it was before and freed from any constraints uh, at all. And the government are powerless to do anything about it. I I think the days are numbered for Paul Dacre. Uh, He's just signed a contract for an extra two years. It'll never last. I also noticed that he sold off his last shares 
in uh, Daily Mail and General Trust. In my view, he's on his way out, and if I had to make a crazy prediction about who will take over, it will be Geordie Gregg, the current editor of the Mail on Sunday, uh, who I think is in prime position. A year ago, I would have said it would have been Tony Gallagher, the Daily Telegraph editor, would have been offered the job. I now think Geordie's going to step in. We're in a situation in the regionals where this experimentation about how they move ahead is now consistent. We have an interesting man, Ashley Highfield, running Johnston Press, who's determined to create a digital future. To an extent, I think the standout one of the big four owners at regionally are Trinity Mirror. I really think that the new chief executive there, Simon Fox, is doing some really interesting work online. The invention of a sort of BuzzFeed-style site, um, Us Versus Them, is doing extraordinarily well. Just hit 7 million. They've come up with a data journalism site, AMPDD, I think it's called, which is to launch very soon. And the inventiveness uh, is excellent. And, and among the regional inventiveness, we've got newspapers, their sort of major regional daily titles, who have now got uh, data journalism looking at schools so that people can know about schools in their area. I think that's terrific. That's what, that's really informative journalism, and it's using the net in an interesting way. Well, that's it for this week's special, a, a leaner podcast. I think you'll agree after gorging on so many rich pickings these past few weeks. My thanks to all our guests who were Paul Robinson, Matt Deegan, Maggie Brown, Vicky Frost from Australia, Rebecca Nicholson, and of course, Professor Roy Greenslade. We'll be back to normal next week, covering the week's media news in only the way we can. Please spread the word about the show. Heck, make it a New Year's resolution to listen twice. And if you really like it, rate us on iTunes. My name's John Plunkett, and the producer was Mr Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.